What's going on, everyone? And welcome back to another edition of Riding the Pine. Jack Ridenauer here with you. And today I've got another awesome show in store for you all. It's going to be a shorter one today, but it'll be a fantastic one nonetheless. It's an interview only episode. I haven't done one of those in a while, but I figured because I had such a fantastic guest come on the show and join me today, I had to highlight him joining the podcast. But getting into the last show, it was tremendous. I opened up the show focusing on the preview and prediction of the college football playoff national championship game that happened last night before diving into a prediction and preview of the NFL wildcard games that also occurred just a few days ago. As I moved out of the football talk, I got into a really good conversation with a former Old Dominion standout and a current overseas player in Slovenia, Aaron Carver. Aaron had a really cool story to share about his journey to playing basketball in Slovenia, his ODU team's incredible conference championship season, and so much more. So be sure to check out that show and all 78 episodes that are out now on Apple and Spotify, and also keep checking out RTP other content on YouTube have some really great visuals over there for you all to check out as well. Now getting into today, like I mentioned, I have a sensational guest joining me. So I wanted to just highlight that for the show today and really kind of emphasize that and get back into the news and whatnot for Friday a little bit later this week. So folks, allow me to introduce to you a former William and Mary college standout, former G League basketball player and current video coordinator for the Charlotte Hornets. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for the one and only Daniel Dixon. And I'm here with current video coordinator for the Charlotte Hornets, Daniel Dixon. Daniel, my friend, it is wonderful to have you on the show today with me. How have you been doing? Good, man. I can't complain. Uh, just taking it one step at a time and appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely, man. I'm really glad that you could find a couple minutes to get on the show. I know your season just started and it's probably a lot of new things to adjust to with the new year and with this pandemic and everything else. So really glad you could carve out a little bit of time today. But I want to get into it with you because I think since the springtime, we can all agree it's pretty easy to tell things have been far from normal. And when this pandemic first began, I'm sure it changed everything in your daily life that you were used to. What were the biggest adjustments you had to make when the shutdown first started? When you were playing, how were you able to find anywhere to train or work out? since most parks and gyms were closed so it was pretty you know it was pretty stressful at that time um and it was really controlling what i can control in the moment um i was fortunate enough to be you know surrounded by family during the pandemic which was you know pretty rare for a lot of people uh, and spend time with my brothers and uh so i was actually able to you know work out with them and we would you know find different ways to get creative really um, and so, you know, I had to tailor my workouts a little bit, um, but I was still, you know, focused and we'd go on a lot of runs and different things like that and um, do some different workouts with them. And so just had to be creative with it. Uh, it was definitely tough, but, you know, I made it, made it work. Yeah, I think everybody can agree that that first, I don't know, month, maybe two months, it was a lot of tapping into your creative side and trying to figure out how to work out. I mean, I had lots of different people telling me all sorts of wild stories of how they came up with new ways of working out and whatnot. It was actually kind of impressive that people were able to think of that, but good that you were able to stay in shape for sure. Now, you've had an illustrious career in basketball that has seen you take many different stops along the way, but I want to start off early. Back when you first came to college and played for William & Mary, your freshman year, you had an immediate success on the team but your second year is where you really saw some major growth what clicked for you that season that allowed you to have that huge of an improvement so freshman year was a little bit of an adjustment right um just coming in my first year not really knowing you know what my role would be on the team uh, and kind of you know trying to find my way um and so you know we had a lot of really 
great players on that team. Uh, and so it was just for me, it was just finding a way to get on the floor. Um, you know, I tell people this all the time. I That year, I just focused on defense mainly. Um, I was there to, you know, make open shots, but I was mainly, I knew that defense would get me on the floor. Uh, so, you know, I had to kind of put all the, all the scoring I had done in the past and kind of put that to the side and do what we needed as a team that year. Um, so just to get on the floor. And so defense was that for me. Um, and then moving into the next season, uh, you know, I really wanted to work on my shot and be able to space the floor for guys like Marcus Thornton. Uh, to be able to create. And that year, I had my best shooting year um, in college. I spent a lot of time that summer working on my shot and working on shots on the move and things like that. So it was just every year, it was really just evaluating what we needed as a team and trying to execute that. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more about the defensive part. I think a lot of freshmen coming into college, they have this idea that they will play immediately. And usually you have to find probably I would say unconventional or not normal ways for you at that time or, or for any player to get on the floor that you're not used to doing, but it was great that you were able to figure it out. And I'm glad you mentioned Marcus Thorne because you guys played very, very well with each other. You guys were part of some really, really good teams. I'm curious to hear what you feel clicked between you two that really allowed you both to play well off of each other. Was there anything you two almost kind of complimented each other on in your respective styles of play? So when I first got there, you know, I was, I was obviously, I had watched him before I even got to the school. Um, so when I, you know, first started getting recruited by Wayman Mary and I knew that he was there, I mean, it was just what an opportunity to be able to play with a player like him. Um, and, you know, our, our chemistry started off the court, um, you know, and he's one of my best friends, you know, to this day. Um, so that, you know, made it a lot easier on the court. And he was the first person that made, a huge impact on my career in terms of my work ethic um, and staying in the gym. And so when you're in the gym with somebody like that, you start to build a camaraderie uh, with them, like I said, on and off the court. And, you know, we would, he would pick me up, we'd go to the gym, we'd just be in the gym. So you spend a lot of time with him and you start to know each other's games a little bit and you can feed off each other. Um, so that's really what it was. It was spending time in the gym, but he was the first person that really made a huge impact on my career and taught me the value of work ethic. Um, you know, off the court. I mean, sorry, extra work, um, you know, in between games and stuff like that. It's incredible to look back at who's really been the big kind of impact in your career and your life and whatever. And it sounds like Marcus Thornton and you have, again, a wonderful relationship still to this day. And I don't think people really realize that a lot of the chemistry that is formed amongst players and teammates, it's off the court. And I think that's another very special thing that if it can translate off the court, it's going to be that much better on the court. And you personally, you continue to progress in college and you wind up becoming a first team all CAA selection your senior season after averaging 19 points per game what was the biggest difference in your game from your freshman to senior year that you noticed? I mean, what in those four years do you feel was massively different in how you played the game that first year to your final year? So I think it was, again, going back to that evolution of, you know, freshman year, finding what you need to do. Um, and then transitioning into senior year where you, you kind of, you are, you become the guy um, and you become, you have a lot more responsibility on your shoulders. And I was lucky to have a guy like Omar Pruitt alongside of me uh, who took a lot of pressure off me and was just an unbelievable player still playing to this day and just he's a great great dude and great player and we're also one of my best friends as well um, so that made it a lot easier um, but you know as you grow each year you start to add different things to your game teams start to play you a certain way so after my sophomore year I noticed that hey they're playing you for the shot so I was like I gotta work on my you know getting to the basket and so you kind of just 
my junior year was a little bit of feeling out uh, how to score. And, you know, I had some ups and downs and had some injuries as well. Um, but senior year kind of, it all came together for me. And like I said, that knowing that work ethic and knowing the, the time and, you know, effort that Marcus was putting in, I, I did the same thing that year. I locked in. I had, you know, things going on off the floor as well that, you know, had me really lock in that year. Um, so it was just, like I said, it was kind of evolution. I was fortunate enough to grow each year. Um, and senior year was just, it was, it was, it was great. Yeah. I'm sure working out with Marcus, it pushed you in, in a kind of a weird way. You know, he was probably saying, Hey, I'm going to stay an extra hour. And in your mind, you're probably saying, I'm going to stay an hour and a half. And that's how kind of in a weird way. Yeah. In a weird way, teammates are able to push each other without actually having to say anything verbally. It's just out of action. And I think that's another special part that clearly, I mean, boded well for you throughout your career. I mean, it was again, a big piece of why you were so successful and you take that success and eventually make your way to the professional basketball world being signed by the Boston Celtics and spending a brief time with them before going to the G League and playing for the main Red Claws. Talk about that process a little bit, getting to the G League and what went into you making it to the pro level. Do you feel it was challenging for you to get noticed from a smaller school? Yeah, so I mean, it was definitely, definitely had its challenges, um, but I just tried to focus on what I could do. Um, and that year, you know, my senior year, I, I felt like I put it all on the floor. Um, and so, you know, entering the draft, I wasn't sure what was going to happen and, you know, didn't expect obviously much, but you know, figured I could uh, maybe sneak into a training camp. Um, and so I was fortunate enough to be with the Boston Celtics and, you know, created relationships there in that short amount of time um, that, you know, I still keep to this day. Um, so that was a really impactful time for me to be um, around such a great organization um, and just be a sponge, really. Um, so every day, just talking to guys. And that year, Kyrie um, and Gordon and guys like that were on the team that I was able to kind of, you know, talk to every day and just really pick their brains. And um, so that helped me transition into the G League, um, where, like you said, I had a lot of really, you know, big time players on my team and big school guys. And at that point for me, it uh, it just becomes who can play. Um, so it's like, you know, I don't I don't know what school you went to or anything like that. It's just you're in front of me now. So let's you know, let's get to it. So that that really um, that mindset that year kind of helped me. Um, you know, just get away from the small school stuff. And, you know, you just can't really pay attention to that. But it's definitely a challenge um, just knowing that you didn't play against the same comp- competition that they did. Well, it's the best mindset to have for sure, especially coming from a smaller school that people might not be very familiar with. It's, hey, you know what? I don't care where you went. I don't care where I went. We're here. Here's a ball. Let's see who can play. And I think that's the bare essence of it. And I think that's what's very important about it. But again, great people that you can pick, you know, their brains and really try and learn from. I mean, Kyrie and Gordon, some of the best in the game. And I'm sure that was probably a ginormous amount of learning that you went under for a period of time. And you had an unbelievable first year in the G League. You averaged 13 points per game and you wound up getting invited back to the Celtics for their summer league team. How rewarding was that feeling knowing that you had worked your way back into an NBA team's locker room? I mean, what did you really try to focus on during your time with the Red Claws that you feel contributed to getting you back invited to the Celtics? Yeah, it was super rewarding. I mean, um, just knowing at the end of the year that you had you know, put in a year of work at, at the pro level, um, you know, especially after all I've been through in my career, it was, you know, I was, I was kind of just living the dream at that point. Um, and just, you know, working every day and creating relationships along that year. And, you know, I was really fortunate to get that summer league invite. Um, 
And during my time with the Red Claws, I mean, it was just a great year overall. The people there and the organization, like I said, was so well run. And so I had great teammates as well. So they made it easy for me. Um, And so it was just a place where now I didn't have to worry about school and, you know, other things going on. It was just basketball. So whether it was watching film and staying in the gym with, uh, you know, my coaches and players and pushing each other each day. I mean, I, I grew as a player that year more than probably ever in my career um, and just paying attention to different things in film and, you know, really studying details and looking at, you know, watching the Celtics a lot and watching what they do and trying to emulate some of the things that they do. Um, it was, it was a really good year just to learn how to be a pro um, for me. Well, that learning definitely paid off for you. I mean, you continued your career on, you continue your journey in the G league, actually making stops along the way with the Northern Arizona suns and the windy city bulls. And I've just always been very, very curious to hear kind of what the day-to-day life is like in the G league. I mean, what are some kind of ins and outs of the G league that not many people are aware of? Man, uh, man, where do I start? Um, yeah, the G league, it just, uh, a day in the life, there is no specific day. I mean, it, it, it's there's always different things going on, different challenges that you have to deal with. Um, it will definitely test every part of your, uh, you know, mental capacity for sure. Um, but like I said, it was it was a great experience for me um, just to be able to play the game and you know get paid playing the game I love. Um, and so also to have the opportunity to make the NBA was also very enticing to me. Um, but a day in the life, you know, you wake up and. Obviously, you're you're staying with your roommate, and you know whether or not that that relationship you know could be interesting, just depending on who your roommate is. And so, you know, you end up usually all the team would get together. You go on like a like almost like a mini bus to practice uh, in the morning, and you get your early work in, watch some film and stuff like that. Um, Go to practice. You know, practice could be anywhere from two hours to three hours, depending on who your coach is, and. uh, you know, after you're done with that, maybe get a small meal or something with the team. You do a lot of things with the team because you don't have, like I said, you don't have transportation on your own and just certain things. You don't have resources available. Um, so then you're spending a lot of time with the guys. So, I mean, you never, you know, you really never get much downtime by yourself. Um, so, you know, after we eat, we probably go home for a little while and relax. And then a lot of guys, like including myself, would go back and get some extra work in the evening. Um, and then you kind of do it all over again. Training camp is, was even you know crazier because we had two days um, in most cases. Um, but you know when it when it comes to traveling, that was always interesting. Uh, and that's where the day to day kind of goes out the window. Um, you know we traveled commercially, so you had your fair share of challenges with uh, just traveling in general. Um, and so, like I said, just not having certain resources, obviously that the, the NBA has makes it challenging. Um, but some, some things that people maybe aren't aware of is just make the grind really. I mean, it's, it's a real grind and not only physically, but mentally. Um, and these guys, I mean, they work their tails off every single day. Um, and so I think it's, it's a great thing that the G league's becoming a bigger, you know, a bigger thing now and they're getting more, uh, you know, sponsorships and things like that. And I think it's, it's well-deserved because those guys are, I mean, every single day we were working, 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 and, uh, you know, just trying to make it to the next level. 
Yeah, I've heard a lot of stories about guys in the G League and kind of what their usual life is like. And like you said, I mean, it's very comparable to almost like a minor league baseball player. You know, the travel's a little iffy. You don't really know where or what you might be staying in or whatever it might be. It's kind of a a wild card, if you will. But you really were able to grind through it and get through it. And I want to know, kind of in your opinion, how much do you think the NBA teams interact with the G League teams? Did you find that there was a lot of exposure for you all and that the NBA teams sent scouts pretty often to watch you all play um so it really depends on a little bit with the organization um but most teams they try to have a really good you know relationship with the uh, g league team um so like for instance when i was in boston i mean there was a really good you know relationship with the g league and the the nba team and you know danny ainge would watch our games and things like that that you would hear about um so there's a lot of exposure and a lot of opportunity um especially when you have a really good team um, so, so part of the, the, you know, scouts coming to your games and scouts watching you is a part of your team success as well. So that, that was also important. And that's something that people really don't know, um, is that, you know, the teams that really aren't playing well, it's like guys from those teams probably aren't going to move up uh, in most cases that you have your exceptions and things like that, but there's a lot of value in winning in the G league, um, because, you know, teams want to win. And so they're, they're looking for winning players. So. I think that's something that, you know, people may not know. Um, But yeah, it's very important. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, that's a, a big time eye catcher for I think a lot of front office executives and GMs and coaches and whomever is coming to watch you all play for sure. Now you're out of your playing career and you've recently taken a different direction in the basketball world as you've been hired as the video coordinator for the Charlotte Hornets in the NBA, which has to be a pretty cool experience. What does your job kind of entail on a daily basis in terms of not necessarily how much film you watch, but what exactly are you looking for when watching film? Are there any specific things from teams and players that you were looking for when watching clips um so there's you know there's it's been unbelievable um to say the least and in terms of my overall happiness and just it's it's really surreal um to walk into the arena every day and you know know that that's my office um and then you know i'm surrounded by a great group of guys um and a great staff um and so you know i i work pretty closely with the coaches um, and then I work closely with the players as well. Um, and, you know, different, you have different responsibilities every single day. And, you know, the hours are pretty crazy. And like I said, there's a lot of things that go on, especially during the season um, that I'm finding now. But it's just like, uh, it feels like I'm living a dream, really, um, in terms of just doing what I love to do and helping these guys out in whatever way I can and building relationships as well uh, with, an, with another great organization. Um, so it's been, it's been really surreal. Um, to do that. And then when it comes to, you know, the technical side of the film, uh, it just depends on what we're, you know, what we're going for. And, you know, if we're, if we're looking at offensive schemes or we're looking at defensive schemes and what teams do, and we want to know, you know, how to break it down. And so my job is, you know, kind of to put that, make that available for the coaches um, in the clearest way possible. So, you know, I just try and do that and I'm very detailed with my work. And so, you know, you just try and, get better each day. And like I said, it's a learning curve. Obviously I'm coming from being a player. Um, but like I said, it, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, just like I said, to have this opportunity and hopefully be able to take it further. Um, and then, you know, specific things from teams and players. Um, it's really cool to, you know, be able to key in on some of these players and their tendencies. And, you know, I was recently doing it for John Moran and just different guys that, you know, are superstars in the NBA. And it's really cool to, to kind of break down their game a little bit. And you see it from a different lens being in this seat than I did as a player 
um, because you're able to see things things kind of slow down as as much film as I'm watching. So it's it's really cool. Yeah, it sounds like the absolute dream job, if you ask me. I mean, you literally get to watch NBA basketball all day. That's not too bad. Uh, that's really not too bad. Yeah, that's a very, very cool job. And, and I'm curious also, since switching gears in your in your career in basketball, you briefly touched on it, but how would you say the adjustment has been going from playing to now more of a coaching role? I mean, what are some things that you are still adjusting to in the new job? Man, the first few days, it was actually, it was tough. Uh, just not, you know, being in that player mindset. I mean, Coach, Coach JB would you know, call the players in and I'm walking towards the huddle. So it's like little things like that, that just have to get used to, um, you know, whether it's rebounding for the guys or just different things that, um, you know, switching into more of a coaching role and more of a mentorship role. Um, but it's been great. I mean, it, it's been, I've learned pretty quickly. Um, and now I'm kind of in a really good flow. And like I said, you know, I know the guys tendencies and so I know what they like and what they don't like. So it, it makes it easier. Um, but you know, there's always, new things I'm adjusting to every day on the job. I mean, and there's just different responsibilities that come along that you're, you just don't really expect, but you know, my, my boss, um, he, he expects a lot from us as a, as a video room. And so we, uh, just try and do our best, man, and just learn and be a sponge. And I, I like I said, a great coaching staff and it's been a, you know, it's been great working with players like Lamelo and Gordon Hayward and just different. We have different guys, young guys, and we have some veterans. And so it's been, like I said, it's been unbelievable. All right. So I have to ask, since you said that you sometimes do fall for running into the, to the huddle, have there any been any sort of one-on-one battles in practice with you and the players? Do you ever still break out the sneakers and say, Hey, I still could probably beat these guys. Oh, so that's, that's, that's the best part. Um, one of the best parts about the jobs I still play. Um, so whether it's, um, in practice every day I play, um, whether it's, you know, getting Gordon Hayward has come back from an injury recently. <clears throat> and so, being able to get him back on the floor. Uh, we had to play three on three and full court and stuff like that. And I'm able to go against him and it's just really cool. And uh, the players, you know, I, I feel like it's fun going against them and kind of showing them what I have. And, you know, they, they always ask me what, what school I went to. And I always tell them, they're like, man, I don't know what this school is. Like, <laughs> so it's just funny. Um, but it's great. I mean, like the playing aspect of it and being able to play every day. And like I said, be able to stay in shape. And I lift every morning before work and just little things that, you know, make me still get that part of uh, basketball. And so it's just extremely fulfilling, man. I, I, I can't, I can't put it in words. Yeah, I've always said that working for a team is like not having to go to practice, but you're still part of the team. So you don't have to do any sort of suicides, no running, no early morning lifts. Yeah, you don't have to do any of that. You get to just sit on the sideline. You get to take stats and whatnot. And then you also get the added benefit of a free gym. That's probably pretty nice, especially especially during this pandemic. I would kill for a free gym right now. I'm not kidding. I can't lie. It's pretty nice being able to work out there every day. It's cool. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And it's probably top-notch facility. I mean, hey, man, you really do have the number one job in America. I thoroughly believe that. But, Daniel, you've been great to have on the show today, man. I really can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Before I let you go, I've got one final question to ask you, and it involves the actualization or sports epiphany, as I call it, as to when you knew you could play basketball at the professional level. So for you, Daniel, when did it click in for you and really set in that you could take the talents you have to the next level and play a sport you have always loved professionally? Man, I have to think about that. I think um, I'm, not, I'm pretty sure it was my sophomore year when we played uh, North Carolina. 
Um, and, you know, they were obviously a highly touted team. And I think that was my first game over 20 points. Um, Marcus Thornton was on the team as well. Um, you know, we had a really good team that year. Uh, so that was kind of my coming out party that year. And after that game, I just remember talking to my family and, you know, they had always believed in me from day one. I mean, my dad and I have a great support system, my mom and my brothers. I mean, my brothers are the ones who pushed me all my life. Um, and so, you know, they always believed in that. But as, like you said, the actualization uh, in my mind was probably after that game, just knowing, you know, there's a lot of NBA players on that floor that day. Um, and, you know, just kind of having my way that game and, you know, feeding with my teammates and stuff like that. After that, my confidence level kind of changed. Um, and so from that point on, I kind of knew that I, I, I could have a chance. Um, and then probably my senior year, that was when I just got, you know, the ultimate confidence. And so after that point, I felt like I could play with anybody. doesn't matter who it was. Well, you've definitely had quite the journey in basketball and you are still living the dream doing it, my friend. I wish you nothing but luck moving forward. Good luck to you and the Hornets this year. And please tell Terry Rozier to keep shooting the ball because I love what he's doing this year. I think he's really starting to. I mean, I've I've always been I've always been a fan of Terry Rozier. I've never been a fan of the Celtics. I hate to say that, but I've always been a fan of Terry Rozier. So I was able to kind of stay true with Terry and tell him to keep shooting the ball because he's doing some great things down in Charlotte. My friend, I'll be talking to you very soon and good luck moving forward. Sounds good. Thank you so much. And there he goes, Daniel Dixon. He had a really cool story to share about how he was able to make it to the pros and coming out of a really small school and what his duties are like now as a video coordinator for the Hornets. Thanks, everyone, for joining me here on the bench for another wonderful episode today. Be sure to keep following and subscribing to Ride in the Pine on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. And keep following on Twitter at Ride the Pine 20, RTP, all capital, and on Instagram at Riding underscore the underscore Pine underscore for all the latest updates on episodes and content to come. All 79 episodes are out now. Once again, everyone, as always, I appreciate you all joining me today. And until next time on Riding the Pine, keep on sitting the bench with me.